Good evening, listener. It may not be evening for you, but it's evening for me, so good evening. Today, I'm going to do a little different than, uh, I'm going to be a little bit different than it usually is. I mean, defining, depending on what usual is, right? I mean, we're, what, nine, nine episodes in or ten. Uh, but today, I'm, I'm going to try and tell some stories. They, they've been on my mind quite a bit, and uh, they tie into some of the political aspects of the modern modern American life. And my experience with this is is something that has, has shaped me. I wouldn't say shaped me too much, but it's an interesting um, it's an interesting lens into the to the way that certain people are and and the lens which which they see the world and how how the world is changing, how our experience is changing. Um, and I think I'll probably get into that eventually. So if you're if you like listening to me ramble about things that that I think about, you'll hear that. But I'm gonna start it off a little a little bit differently, right? It's about as far as I can tell, it was about three years ago, by my by my guess. It was around winter break, and I was traveling to Idaho. I, I was in, in central Washington at the time, right? It's middle of Washington. It's where I, uh, I actually came from. It's a beautiful area, right? You have, you have a vast open plateau surrounded by rolling hills. And so you can see to the east as f- to the very horizon. And the, when the sun arises, you can see it. You can see the moment it breaks over that wide expanse. But to the other sides, you have something that defines that horizon, a distant set of hills. The hills provide also a, a very beautiful way to, to look down at this fertile valley uh, and, and see all of the wonderful agriculture that is there. But there's not a lot of uh, city life, not a lot of people out there. And it's kind of kind of out in the middle of nowhere to a certain extent. So I went to the nearest the nearest town to catch a train. I was going from there to Idaho. I, uh, I have a good friend who lives in Idaho, and I was going to go see him for a, a few few days to spend some time and hang out before I had to go back to school. And so I went went there. The plane the train was a supposed to come in around midnight. I mean, it was going to be a late train, but this uh, this particular evening, it ended up coming even later than that. No, it was 10 o'clock. It was supposed to come in at 10, right? It ended up coming in at 2. So there were quite a few hours where I ended up just sitting at this train station. Now, it was beneficial for me that I wasn't the only person there. I actually had a uh, another individual who was catching the same train. He was from, oh, as far as I remember, he was from California. His name was Chris. The only reason I remember his name was is Chris was that I wrote it down. <laughs> I'm I'm awful with names. So Chris, thank you for making enough of an impression that I wrote your name down. I I know I I got your number, but. I'm terrible at keeping numbers, right? I, I clean up my phone quite a bit. So I hope you're doing well if you happen to hit listen to this. And I hope you can validate the rest of the story. Um, Chris and I had a very interesting conversation because he was from California. And uh, he he had an experience there that I was interested in seeing. And he was he was not the kind of person that I would have expected to find on this small town, middle of nowhere train platform. But there he was. And we got an opportunity to talk about some of the basics of politics. This was, this was, this would have been, no, this must have been earlier because this would, as far as I know, was before the election. So it is possible that it was, yeah, it was, it was probably three years ago now. Um, but it was before the main election season got heated because that wasn't something that came up in our discussions primarily and it is such a a vivid event that i found myself speaking about that with most of the strangers who i end up spending time with in some form or another right there what what do they think of politics because well 
those of you who listen to this may understand a little bit more about me that uh, I tend to enjoy deep conversations. And, and the one thing that most people are most comfortable speaking their mind about is politics. If they don't, if they don't follow it, they'll say it outright. If they do follow it, they'll speak their mind uh, in America. We're, it's still taboo. But if you're looking for something that people are willing to actually get into a conversation with you about, politics are a good one. Social policy. Um, religion is a little tougher because a lot of people don't, haven't thought about it. And so trying to have that conversation, it's a little more difficult because you're, you're, you might be talking to somebody who has no uh, other ground to, to stand on. They don't have any context for a deep conversation. And so politics, I've found, is a great way to get into those types of conversations with people to to get them used to understanding how I see the world and, and maybe to get them to start thinking about what it is that they they believe about the world and then that tends to extrapolate very easily out to religion um, so Chris and I were having a little chat um, and the train had been quite delayed at this point and so we looked online and found out there was an incident on the on the rail and they were working on getting it all cleaned up and, and trying to, to get back on track. And so we had quite a bit of an evening here left before us. We spent some time on our, on our phones, doing our own little thing at different times. And, and I, I tended to be a little bit antisocial towards him. He was a very, very friendly and talkative fellow, but not particularly in the realms that I'm, comfortable talking about, right? I'm not very comfortable talking about uh, casual things or opinions or, you know, what I think about the weather. It's it's a lot harder for me to talk about that than it is to talk about politics, religion, uh, science, the the nature of the world, philosophy. It is who I am and I am I'm coming to embrace that. And I hope hope those of you who listen are appreciative of that because, well, that's what I tend to talk about. So I'm glad glad that you're here to to listen to it with me and uh, have a have some beer in your favor. Mm. Oh, that's good stuff. So Chris and I are sitting here on this on this platform, train platform in the middle of nowhere. Right? Famous famous in my mind only because that was the one place that I knew a US president had been one time in the past. Right back when they still did train tours, one of them had disembarked at this station. And that was a big deal for me. It's like, oh my gosh, they actually stopped for one time at this one station here in this small town in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't even the town I grew up in. I mean, this was about, what, 20 minutes away. This was the next town over. This was the nearest town over, 20 minutes away across miles of uh, farmland and, and rolling hills and, you know, not not a small number of sagebrush between us and them, and uh, here I was on this little platform, with uh, inadequate jacket wear. Uh, oh bugger! Now I'm realizing when it was. <laughs> looking further more, at my, looking a little bit more at my notes. Right, this was this wasn't in the winter. This was in the summer. This would have been um, around June. Before I went down on my internship to Portland, if I if I'm now properly remembering that, right? Because I spent a year, I spent a summer down in Portland, but I, I would have gone and hung out with with a bu- my buddy here for a little while before that, and so uh, so we we went to sit down and, and chat and oh. No, it was it was it was two years ago. You know, this has got to be incredibly frustrating for you because it's really not relevant to the story itself. Uh, but it was it was two years ago, in the summer, before I had to go to work. That's when it was. And I I remember that now, because of the rest of the information. So this would have been after the election. But when the election was still touchy and nobody really knew what they were thinking, so you were 
whatever it was, this guy, our conversation on politics did not remain in my mind, meaning it must have been either short or um, non-existent. But that's not the point of this story. Right? The point of this story, after 10 minutes, is what happened while we were sitting there waiting. A couple started walking towards us here around midnight from the, the road. And, and this small town was a very, very dark place in terms of lighting, right? This little train platform's probably got all the light there is. And we're sit, sat there, and this couple walks up to us with their little chihuahua and start making conversation. And I, I got to hear this incredible story. They had come to the town because the, the man had been offered a job and he had brought some, some technology with to, to be a part of that job on, in his car. And well, it had been stolen. The car had been busted into, into everything had been stolen and the car itself, I believe, was stolen as well. So here they were out in the middle of nowhere with their livelihood gone and living on the streets. They had nothing going for them. Um, They knew a couple people in the area and they were working on doing what they could to get a job, get something, someplace to stay and, and, and settle down. But for all intents and purposes, I got that evening to talk to and talk with a couple of homeless people. And let me tell you, it was, it was eye-opening because I had been in Seattle, all right? I, I went to school in Seattle. And, and, and let me tell you, the homeless people in Seattle, the homeless population in Seattle is partially consistent of the kind of people that I will describe to you uh, when I talk about this couple, right? These, these nice people who are going through hard times. The problem with Seattle is there's a lot of crazy people. And and the nice thing that uh, the, the nice thing is that the good the good ones tend to stick together and do what they can to help each other out. There are, are these tent cities that I actually got to visit a couple of times. I actually got to visit with my choirs a couple of times, and we got to sit. We put on some concerts for them and gave them a little bit of a little, little performance so that they're in their little community. Right where they'd taken up, 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 they'd asked somebody if they could use a parking lot, and they'd been allowed to use that parking lot to put up their tents and 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 spend some time in in Seattle. Uh, we went down there and we got to provide them some some service of of making them feel a little bit more uh, like like they weren't homeless, I suppose. Right, that like they that that they mattered to us and we would we wanted to make them feel a little bit more comfortable uh, and and give them give them what we could while while we were in the area right and we're college students so i mean from a from the position of actual financial and uh resource availability we we didn't have much to give them so we did what we could we we gave them a little performance and 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 spent some time there talking with them and and coming to understand the conditions that they, they are under. Um, I'd actually got to be a part of the, the movement that got them to come to the campus in the first place, uh, which was very humbling. It was a humbling experience to see these people and, and to know that they, they were working to do what they could, that they, they were trying to get jobs, but these were people who had fallen under hardships and they just needed some place to be while they worked their way back. And, and these were communities that had rules to, to do that. The reason I go into this detail is, is because there are a lot of people in Seattle, a lot of homeless people who unfortunately do not have that drive, uh, who, who will walk around frothing at the mouth or yelling at people because they are addicted to a substance or they are, they've undergone some trauma and they have the ability to survive there on those streets or they have um, 
they have an addiction that keeps them from staying in some of the public housing, right? Because they're, they're unable to, to keep up the kind of expectations that are necessary for a public housing system to survive. So in that, in that unfortunate bind, in that unfortunate bind, you end up with some people who are sadly less than desirable walking around on the streets. And when you have certain politics that exist in Seattle, that it's unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. Um, but not all the homeless people are that way. And my time that I got to spend with them down in the, in the tent city when they arrived on campus, that was, that was eye-opening. But, but also sitting here on this train station, I met, I met a couple of people who were, who were similar to this. They, they, were tell, they told me their story, and, and while they sat there, I, I got to kind of explore what else they had gone through. I myself, not the most talkative fellow, especially not at the time. I was, uh, I've, I've come out of my shell a little bit since that time, but uh, not incredibly. I'm still generally uh, what people call introverted. Right? I, I'm extroverted in the right environments, but in a public environment, tend to be introverted. But Chris, right, this, this, this man who, who, this fella from, from California, was, was just fantastic at talking to these people and, and fantastic at getting them to talk about their experiences and the, thing, the way that they saw life. I got to understand that they didn't want the situation that they were in. Of course they didn't want it. And, and they were going to do what they could to get out of it. But there's a whole different set of challenges when you're in that environment trying to find a place to stay when you've abandoned everything you have with a few possessions and then those those possessions are taken from you that's that's a hard thing to be in i i would have a hard time thinking of how i would do that if i was not a part of a church um honestly that's one of the benefits of having a church is that there's a whole bunch of people there who are willing to support me um if, if I fall into hard times and and that's a great that's a great comfort but there's a lot of people who who don't know about that or for whom that's not available because uh, the churches in their area are less than hospitable or or they have some personal issue with asking for help from a church or you know maybe the churches just don't have a lot of resources don't have a really good way of doing that um and so there are people who, who don't have that kind of support environment. And, and for me to have that environment, that's comforting, especially knowing about how hard it is uh, with them. One of the things that, that kind of struck me about this as this experience, as rather uh, symbolic, I suppose, was this chihuahua that they had with them, right? And gr- growing up in the, in the community that I did, we had several people who had chihuahuas, um, and, and they are very, they very much have the little guy complex. Chihuahuas know that they're small dogs, but they also know that they're dogs. And they feel a need to prove it because they're so tiny. That's, that's my take on chihuahuas is, is they, just, they just have an inferiority complex because they're so small and they make up with it by just being nasty in general to whoever they perceive as a threat. One of the one of the strange things about this dog, though, was I don't know if it's just the way that the, the environment that it that she I guess it's a it was a girl um, a female dog sorry that this dog had experienced this you know living on the streets with her her owners or or if it was just that she was tired. But after a few minutes, um, probably fifteen or twenty minutes of of hanging out there. Um, she was she was getting a little tired and and I she she was she was being friendly with me which which I thought was just fantastic I've always I do love animals quite a bit and I found that there's a if you put off a certain energy to an animal it it will tend to reciprocate it if it's been if it's been raised properly right Um, animals are able to sense the energy of a person the the disposition of a person, whether it is friendly, whether it is flighty, right? They, animals don't like people they can't trust, people who seem 
afraid or unsure. Animals, I found animals don't like that because they like, they want to know, can I trust you or not? Because with animals, it's, I mean, it is very simple. They, you, they don't, they don't reason. So they're going to, they're going to read your, your language, your body language, your, you know, the non, the nonverbals, the nonverbals matter incredibly to a, to an animal. And I almost wonder if, if that's one of the benefits of getting animals and, and, and raising kids with animals is, is teaching them the nonverbals, teaching them how to interact with them. And also, not, not just how to interact with the dog, but, but like, for example, a dog, right? If you have a dog while your kids are growing up, as I did, right? Not only do I learn how I'm supposed to interact with the dog, but I learned how the dog interacts with me. And, and, and because all of the dog's language per se, I mean, it's not a language, it isn't language, but all of the dog's communication is nonverbal. You have to understand those aspects of human language that, that draw on nonverbal aspects and, and express certain concepts to the other people. So I'm sitting here with this, with this dog of a breed that I've always had issues with. Um, because they're so small and I'm so big and they just don't, they don't trust me. Or maybe it was because I was flighty for the longest time that, that I, I just didn't know how to interact with chihuahuas and they just, just didn't work. But this little, this little girl, she, she was willing to sit on, sit on my lap and, and be, be petted, um, which I did cause it was, it was a little bit chilly out at this point. It was, it was getting close to midnight or, or maybe past midnight at this point. I mean, it was, it was late and um, dog, the dog was tired, and, and it, it just gave, it gave this other couple a chance to kind of relax and not worry, have to worry about their, do- their, their dog and just sit with us and talk and enjoy human company, enjoy being with some other people uh, without having to worry about their dog, without having to worry about um, you know, where are they going to go, what are they going to do. Just my chance to say, hey, relax. I'll take care of this thing. I, mean, I I like the dog. She seems to be okay with me. I'll I'll take care of it so you can you can rest a little bit more. Um, and this little dog, who who you know again, of all the I would not have expected this. I would maybe expected it from any other dog, but not this little thing, right? It, it's it's about as uh, only slightly larger than my hand, right? Very very young as well. And. And she she completely trusted me. And and as I was sitting there, just having her in my lap and petting her, she she fell completely asleep, just right there on on my lap, and and didn't have any issue with with the fact that she she had no idea who I was. She had smelled me what fifteen minutes before for the first time in her in her very short life. I was something that had never existed in her world until a few minutes ago. And I had not fed her. I had not um, you know, given her any treats or anything. I, there, I hadn't bribed her. But yet she still was willing to, to sit there and, and trust me enough to fall asleep. Now, it might have been just that she was so tired, perhaps. Perhaps it was that she was tired. Perhaps it was that even though she had someone close to her, a, a couple of people very close to her who, who did everything they could to take care of her, sometimes she, she needed somebody else who she could trust. She needed some other support for her, her, in, her in her tiny little existence, right? And she doesn't, she, not something that she would think about, but just that being in her in that position right alone tired exa- physically exhausted living a, a hard life by by modern standards right not by not by historic standards but by modern standards living a hard life and for for a a, a dog who's only a few few months old this this is not the kind of thing that they're necessarily designed for dogs are pack animals i believe i thoroughly believe um but they're also they're also territorial. Now you know, this is this is me kind of getting into you know, thinking about things, right? But but not to have any any home. It's a little bit harder for 
for, for all creatures, creatures like having homes, right? Humans, perhaps nomadic in our, in our distant past, but fundamentally, humans are creatures of civilization. I think in, even, in, even if, you, if you look at the ancient nomadic peoples or even you know, more, more modern, right? 300, 400 years ago, nomadic peoples. Nomadic peoples always tended to have areas that they were nomadic about and communities that they were nomadic with. So nobody, nobody was ever alone. Nobody was ever off on their own doing their own thing. People, people, people aren't made to be hermits. And, and I don't think animals are either. And, and part of the reason that you could argue that is because that we were made to multiply. Right? All, all animals had that, were, were created with their mates and all uh, and, and man himself was given the, the blessing, be fruitful and multiply. That is the blessing of community. And, and he was and they were, we were also given that command uh, blessing, right? Fill the earth and subdue it. right? That's the blessing of, of private property. <laughs> it's, the, it's the blessing of, of ownership and of belonging. Of having a home, right? Some place that you have subdued, and for these, this couple, they don't have that. They have a, a, an area that they wander around. They have some places that they they know they can go to if they need a place to stay for the night, right? There's a couple places that they can reliably squat, but they're they were so fundamentally resource free. Um, that, that, and, and it's not like I had anything I could do to help them. That was the, that was what hurt even more, right? It, I was, I was bound to catch a train and not, and even from that, this was a town I don't, didn't even live in, didn't know anybody in the nearest people I knew were 20 minutes away and, and completely unable to to come by at this point, right? I mean, it was it was late. Not only late, but but I mean, if we t- if we're talking about functional help, um, not not in the greatest position to do that, um, but still able to help more than more than these people could have had. But um, and and that perhaps was a was a flaw of not not attempting that route of of reconciliation. And it's something I will have to I'll have to look at. Uh, Attempting to to rectify uh, in the future, but here here I was with this homeless dog that was not yet bitter. That that was still surrounded by people, right? And two people, yes, but people that that desperately loved her, and 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 she still was not cast out and and abandoned she had no reason to be bitter against me and and so she she sat there and she she trusted me and she fell asleep there completely satisfied for probably a good 30 minutes i'm this wasn't this was this wasn't just a quick little oh i'm gonna nap here but this was until until they uh, this this couple had an opportunity to to relax, and then they they had another location they were going to go to. Um, I think they were going to get get some food or something, and and so they they were about to leave, and just as they're as they're getting ready, just sat there marveling at how how she did that because apparently this was not something that the dog had had done commonly either. Or she's not exactly the the I guess the trusting kind, but but. I don't think I don't think that that evaluation was quite right. I think it's more that she never had that the place where she felt she could trust them. Right? She she didn't have anywhere to to be comfortable, and that uh, that really struck me that 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 this this age old foe of mine, the Chihuahua, was. 
It was just like any other animal. It could have been a rabbit, for pity's sake. But a rabbit, I would not have marveled at, because I've, I've, I've had experience with rabbits, and they tend to be friendly. The, the fact that it was a chihuahua, mar- I, I, I am still surprised at it to this day, right? Now, the funny thing is, right, we're at probably about maybe one or two o'clock, or probably one, well, let's say one o'clock at this point, right? I don't have, my, my documentation is not nearly rigorous enough. But another hour uh, about approximately passes by, and, and I've probably spent some time reading, trying to uh, process what I've, what I've just gone through. And a girl comes up, a young, young girl, probably no uh, probably younger than 18 and well into a, a pregnancy and she comes up with a with another young child beside her who she identifies as some sibling or relative uh, not not her own kid but but someone else and this this girl is clearly distressed clearly worried and and just on the on the verge of completely collapsing breaking down it um and and is just totally totally broken totally miserable totally sad and and totally helpless i mean this is this is a situation that i am i am not not uh, not very familiar with but thankfully, again for me, Chris immediately got up and 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 was looking to help and ask ask questions and see what 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 could be done. And she told us her story um, about how you know about who the father of, of the of the who 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 the father of the child she was bearing was and and the the problems that that she was going through with him and. And yet, she stated with with clear conviction, her her unshakable dis- decision to have this child, to raise this child. It was her child, and she was going to she was going to see it it raised properly. And she wanted she wanted to do it in the in the proper context as well. She wanted to to raise it this child with its father. But unfortunately, the situations of the child's conception and the nature of, of the father and I mean, the fact that they weren't married um, and both very young and, and, and clearly not, not very uh, experienced in, in, the, in the troubles of the world, this, this, this was bearing, this was, this was a toll on her. And so she came to us because we were there. the The resolution of the story for us was that we we ended up calling the the, the local police and, and and not not on her but for her, for her, so that they could try and get her. You know, well, first of all, get her somewhere to to stay uh, temporarily, and then also give her the resources to contact family who are in the area um, by in the area I mean an hour away and not available at that evening um, but the resources of, of somebody who she could she could talk to and who could actually take care of her who wasn't going to be leaving in a couple hours to catch a train to somewhere else somebody who could actually help because at this point it is it is two o'clock on in a, in a in a dead town in the middle of nowhere and not a I mean this is not a wealthy town this is a this is a a poor little town in the middle of absolutely nowhere nestled against the hills where and the only thing of of reference the only thing that I I would would consider relevant like of, of any major importance is that one day, probably about a hundred years ago, some president had chosen to step off on that very train platform. 
that was its that was its major contribution to the the greater American experience. Was that 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 place where we were? That that fleeting moment where we were we were all standing. And so we called we called them and, and they came by and and did what they could to to ease her ease her down a little bit. Um, make her make her feel less. I mean, she was she was in a real real pickle, and I don't blame her. I don't blame her at all. She she was in a really hard situation, and the fact that she was still well, first of all, able to function is is a is a miracle. Second of all, the fact that she she remained so convicted in the value of family was was very encouraging and and yet the the challenges that she she was going through and that that well she had unfortunately embraced in the decision to do what she had done to to cause that that child to be to be conceived um i do not think that that those who who made that seem reasonable to her right that the forces who who made it seem like sex is is consequence free would have would have done so if they could have seen where it got her and if they if they would have if those people who who try to shape society with their with their music and their movies and their claims of free love if they would have looked her in the eye that night and said Hey, it's okay. You're empowered. If they would have said that, then then they are truly irredeemable. Well, okay, not not completely irredeemable, right? I mean, from a theological perspective, but 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 that's evil. To to look at somebody in that position and and say this is good, this is this is empowered, this is the yeah, take take your power. That is that's that's evil. That, that is that is the corruption of the human nature put to the bear and it's possible that's true but i i find it hard to believe that that's that that's the case and this is i mean this is me i i'm i'm fully capable of believing that people are, are nasty and miserable and awful i've i've saw plenty of it and i i experienced much of it within my own my own heart unfortunately and it's something i have to fight against but but this this idea that actions don't have consequences is so ridiculous especially with these things like family which are so important and the fact that the fact that she was willing she was willing to bear the consequences she was determined to a certain extent to bear out the consequences of this action but finding them too hard to bear on her own and 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 so hard to bear on her own that she willingly came to the to the place where two absolute strangers were sitting to ask for whatever help we could provide, and and <laughs> unable to provide much help from either one of us, we we called those who could. And made and made absolutely sure that 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 those who came understood this was not her this was not her, being some crazy drugged out you know weirdo you know her some homeless vagrant. This was a person who had fallen on hard times. Somewhat, yes, by her own by her own fault, but but in large part, her her difficulties are are an, an unbroken chain of consequences that that sadly uh, from events that I do not believe she was properly informed about, and that a a decent and upstanding culture would not have tolerated. A decent, upstanding culture would not tolerate pro- the the promotion of the kind of ideas that that got her to, to to where she was. Right about sex, about family, about how to live your life, about what's important. And the truth is, she had some she had some remnant of that good of, the, of a proper, decent culture there in her heart. And she was trying to cling to it. In fact, I think I think from her conviction and, and her explanations, right, she wanted to 
to find it again, despite the fact that, that, well, from the sounds of it, the man who she wanted to, to bind herself to was not a good man. Nevertheless, she understood that that was something that was important. And, and I found that that whole experience really somewhat haunting because I, I, I don't know if I could have helped. I don't know what I could have done to help. I didn't have any money in my pocket. I'm, all the clothes that I had of my own were, were of my own size and seven sizes too large for this girl. But I mean, would that have helped? Who, I was in a foreign, foreign town for all I knew. My, my, my list of resources was incredibly limited. And, uh, and I did not know what to help. It's why I, we eventually called the police station and, and, and found out what they could do and let them know the situation so they could try and take care of it. But it, it makes me wonder, truly, um, what am I doing for her? And, and, and am I considering her life and her, her status as an American to be just as valid as mine? This is where the politics begin to come in. Do I think that just because I'm not in her situation that I should have the right to make her do what I want to do? to treat her how I think she should be treated, to allow other people to do that. I, do, I don't think so. Similarly, I do not think it is my, is my freedom to, to do what I do without looking at the consequences that fall upon her. And upon the, the other couple too, right? The homeless couple as well, right? This homeless, this, these, this homeless couple sitting here in this middle of this small town and this poor downtrodden girl who had who had done something she shouldn't have and and was having to bear consequences that were too great for her these these people matter these people these people are the people who are affected by the decisions that that we make as a as a voting base as a population as a culture the way we we lead our lives the way we interact with other people affects them I mean, chaos theory, you know, the famous example of a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil creating a tornado, right? The idea that everything is connected is, is fundamentally true. From a mathematical standpoint, that, that everything has some effect. And the truth is, we don't, we don't actually know what our area of effect is. We don't know the people who are looking at us. We don't know the people who are listening to us. I have another story of, of, of talking to a, a friend, a, a a friend group, right? But but trying to talk to one specific guy in this friend group and, and spending a lot of time with him talking about these I- certain ideas. And years later, having somebody else in that group who who I had who I had completely ignored at that age, who my, I had, I hadn't focused on him at all. But but he was listening. He was listening to this conversation, and he got back to me to talk about about how some of these conversations had affected him. And, and, and that's where it, that's where it begins to hit me that we can't we cannot fully understand the people who are breathing the air we breathe out right the, 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 to kind of harken back to the, the previous podcast right the, the things we're doing are going to affect those around us in ways that we do not expect and and Perhaps I could have done something that day to help her out. Perhaps I did do something that day to help her out. Perhaps me standing there, stably, breathing, just being being confident, right? Much much being the guy who that I was for that for that other couple, right? Being the hey, I'm here, relax. Don't worry about somebody coming out of the dark and you know attacking you or anything. Don't worry, I'll be here. 
I'm, I may not be the most competent at, at providing the help that you need right now, but I will provide you at the very least what I can right now, which is I can provide you security and stability and just, I know life has fallen down around you. Let me, let me hold up the, hold up the ceiling for you for just a minute, right? So that you, so you don't, so that you can take a breather, so you can, so you can relax, so you can stop hyperventilating and, and, and stressing yourself to death. Um, maybe that's, maybe I did help her. I don't know, but, but I do feel that I have an obligation to, to consider that the things that I would want to do are going to affect her and the other couple and Chris just as much as they're going to affect the people in my community who I want to help. Right. The, the, and this is the season. Okay, now I'm going to get into politics, right? The policies that I vote for are going to affect these people. And they're not going to affect them in the way that, it, that they affect me. Because we are in two totally, fundamentally different spheres of life. For pity's sake, I have a podcast. That means I can at least afford a device with a microphone and an internet connection. And generally that's going to mean, because of the, the ambiance that I have, that, that I have some place to settle down in and be stable and be secure. And I have the, the free time to sit here and talk into this microphone and post this. And I have the, the, the intellectual free space, right? The intellectual um, capacity, not, not, not in terms of skill, right? But, but that I don't have to spend so much time thinking about other things that are, that are going on that I can't do this, right? I have the, the luxury of sitting down and talking about a story and how it makes me, what I have to think about it, right? Some experience that I have, right? And, and, and a lot of the experiences that I have in my life, I've, I think about in this way, some of them hit me more than others. Um, I have a great tendency to overthink things and my, my siblings know that very well. Um, so, so it's why I try to seek clarity and why part of the reason I, I appreciate the opportunity to have this podcast, the, the blessings that I do have that surround this, this context that I'm in, allow me to process things and, and not to be trapped in a cycle of overanalysis and, and drawing things to a ridiculous conclusion based on flawed premises. The, but... To get back to the, the, the point of policy, right? I'm sitting here in a certain environment thinking about, hey, if I did this, this would affect me in some way. Or maybe this would affect those people in this way, right? Sometimes sometimes we do make policy for those unfortunates, right? For the people who are downtrodden, right? We're like, oh, well, if we just did this, they'd be okay. Well, how, how long have we been trying that? How many years... We've been trying to put those systems in place, and yet things are not perfect. And I would say that doesn't mean we need to try harder. I'd say that means we need to realize that they won't be perfect. That, that you can't just throw something at a problem, throw, throw somebody else's effort at a problem and hope that it gets solved. Sometimes you got to do, do it yourself, and sometimes a problem cannot be solved. Some people can't be helped. Some people are stuck. Some people are just in a, in a bad spot, right? Some of those folk in Seattle, some of those homeless folk, I don't know how to help them. I don't know if they can be because they're, they're addicted and, they're, and they have no finances and they have, they're far away from any home that they would have. They are in a, they're in a terrible place. On the other hand, the couple with the Chihuahua, are in a very different place. And the resources available to them are very different from those that are available to someone in Seattle. Right? They don't have they don't have a tent city. They're on their own. Right? This this girl in the middle of nowhere, right? What's available to her? And and more importantly, what is available to her that is in line with her convictions? Right? Cuz don't tell me, oh well, she could just, you know, murder the child. She, she's, she's not going to do that because she knows it's wrong. God bless her for that. 
for having, well, the basic human instinct and understanding that human life is human life. Right? I mean, it shouldn't be shouldn't be surprising, but God bless her for, for having that conviction. Even though, even though her life is falling apart, she still has that conviction. And not only that, she still she still wants to lead life in a certain way that is congruent with traditional values. So what are we doing that is making that harder on them? What are we allowing to propagate that's making that harder? Or what are we, what are we not speaking against, right? Maybe it's not allow, allowing it to propagate. What, maybe it's a matter of saying, hey, maybe this culture is, is bad. And maybe it's not a matter of saying that amongst ourselves, but maybe it's a matter of going out to other people and showing them the other way. And, and, and prov- not, not running away to our little cloisters where we can feel safe and comfortable because we can't live there for the rest of our lives, for one. And for two, that doesn't do anybody else any good if we're sitting in our cloisters and the world is falling apart around us. We have to be out there in the muck and in the grime. And it's going to be hard. And, and we're going to have weird moments where we're stuck in a situation we don't know what to do, right? I, I fully believe that there are situations like that that are going to arise f- again in my life. And I, I hope they do because I want the chance to help those people somehow. I want to be in a position where I can actually help them. I don't know if I will be. But I do know that... I do know that, that the, these are humans as much as I am. I do know... That, for example, what I believe about immigration policy is going to affect their lives, right? If I think, well, it doesn't matter if we just bring in people, well, that's because I have a nice job. That's because I have a very uh, high-level skill set. These guys may not. I I may be importing their competition and driving down their wages. I may be making their lives harder because they can't afford a house because low-income housing is being handed out to other people. I may be making their life harder because I'm trying to make myself feel better or make my life easier. And not do it by my own power, but do it by the power of some other force, somebody else with someone else's money and someone else's guns, right? Do Do it away there, right? That's the problem with government. It is a good and, and, and noble thing when used properly, but it's, it's corruptible just like everyone else because it's made of people. I do think that every form of human society is going to have some ruling body, whether it's a government that comes about by the consent of the governed or whether it is a free market solution created as the, the system by which contracts are enforced. You know, there's always going to be that. And that is the government for all intents and purposes. Um, there will always be something there, but but it is a ma- But I am sick and tired of of hearing from people the sentiment that they have some right to act because they know better. Because you don't. You don't know better. I don't know better. I haven't lived that. I haven't seen that. At least not firsthand, but I've seen it. I've seen what it does to people. I've seen what happens to people, and and I've heard what it does to people. I've, I I know that it can drive someone to a sufficient level of despair that they just might. Well, that there are people who are so desperate that they give up all hope and decide that life isn't worth living and throw themselves in front of a train causing a four-hour delay in the middle of June. A man like that is responsible for all of those experiences that I had that evening. And that is an awful reality but it happened it did happen some some poor bloke gave up on hope 
And I don't want other people to do that. And I don't want on my conscience the idea that in my pride, that, that in my arrogance to help someone, I did not look at the, at the real consequences of what was going on. I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on in those people's lives because I was too busy making my little corner of the world a little more comfortable. And so I, I am absolutely determined to take a full understanding of that deep responsibility. Responsibility toward those people upon myself. That I cannot go out into the world and assume I have all the answers. I need to ask. I need to talk. I need to discuss. I need to learn. Now, the foremost position from which I understand this is going to be the scriptures. Because fundamentally, that is the first and, and truly only source of, of knowledge. But, well, the scriptures say, love your neighbor as yourself. The first question would be, who's my neighbor? Right? Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. The man who found someone destitute, helpless, hopeless, and he set him up with a place to stay and said he'd be back. He gave up his own money and his own safety for, you know, for all intents and purposes and said, you have what I have, I will return in three days. I didn't do that. Jesus did that for me, though. So I should do what I can. I should, I should understand that I don't deserve it, and I should do what I can to love and serve my neighbors. But, but in that great quest, I need to understand how. How can I serve my neighbor? What do they need, not only spiritually, but physically as well? Because sometimes it is a physical barrier. Sometimes, right, how can I talk to, to that, poor, that, that poor girl or that couple? At the moment I meet them, I can't, I can't open up to them about, about Jesus first, you know, right off the bat. No. First, I got to get, get her to, to a position where she's, she's not hyperventilating, where she's not going to kill herself out of uh, lack of breath. Right. But but ultimately the what is that purpose? Well the purpose is going to be to, to try and give them the, the eternal confidence. And yet sometimes sometimes the things that I'm doing in the rest of my life are, are gonna be acting directly contrary to that. The things that I believe, right? The the fact that I think his you know, your job is useless. Nobody would want to do that job. Let's just give it to somebody else. No. If I'm, if I'm doing that, I'm not loving my neighbor. There is a, there's a perfectly valid reason, Christian reason, to believe that, that, that a nation should have borders. Because there are a lot of people like that couple who need jobs, who need whatever job they can get. Who need, who need a community that is stable. Who need an environment that isn't constantly at risk because of people coming in who have no identity. Who come and go as they please. Or people who, who, aren't, who aren't set in the place they're at and therefore cannot provide help. Who, who do not feel common unity with that people. Uh, destroying that, destroying those communities, that's, that is unloving. And, and as much as, as we want to love people 
from all walks of life and in all places. My experiences that evening taught me very, very simply and very clearly. There's, there's a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life. And I should not consider myself so arrogant as to believe that they are worthless. And maybe I should, I should trust them that they're valuable. And hopefully, hopefully if, if I can show them that, that I don't, that I'm not a threat, that I'm not, I'm not the enemy. I'm not, I'm not there to seek some ill, to, to, to build up ill will against them. I, I would rather, that I would rather be there to provide them some, some support and some comfort. Well, maybe then, then we can have the proper charitable relationship where out of my bounty of resources, I can give them a place to sleep. I can give them a reason not to yap and bark at me as though I were some threat, but, but rather to lie down and, and trust that I will do what I can for them. Not because I expect something in return, but because they're my neighbors. No matter where we meet, no matter where we're from, they're my neighbors. <laughs>